0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Uptown
1: Beer Society, a craft beer gang dedicated to making memorable collaborations with New York City brands and breweries owned by people of color. Learn more on Instagram at Uptown Beer Society.
0: This week on Meat and 3, we head into the second part of our mini-series on global trade, where we talk about all things sweet, from chocolate and sugarcane to the cultural festival that accompanied
2: the growth of the date industry in the U.S. They're using this romance and fantasy to say dates are exotic and you should consume them.
0: I like to think of the food that we eat as archaeological artifacts, in part because the history of humanity is in the stands in your produce market.
3: It's not like other foods. We have very like, personal feelings about chocolate.
0: Tune in to Meat in 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you get your podcasts.
3: And welcome to Life's a Banquet, a show about the highs and lows of all things edible, spreadable, pourable, and chuggable with your host, Su- Orson Welles and <laughs> And Rosebud. Oh, well, hello. How's it going, mine friend? Uh, it's going fine. It's snowing here. Get the hell out of here.
2: Oh, yeah. It's snowing hmm. sideways
3: snowing in the center of the earth I didn't know you guys got uh, got snow in there so interesting oh,
2: yeah. we're, we're nowhere near the equator or the center of the earth we're just <laughs> we're not even in the center of the United States And
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, then what are you good for anyway nothing so nothing. Nicole I want to tell you that um I have a new boyfriend oh okay And I thought I would take this time on the podcast to tell you because I know everyone's really excited to hear about my love life. Um, He's very, he's younger than me, a lot younger. Um, And he's also smaller than me. And uh, he's a puppy named Butter. (laughs) Butter. You got a dog? No, but I there is a puppy that lives on my block. We've had two dates, one yesterday and another today. Oh, you guys don't live together. We don't. No, not yet. I am planning on stealing him from his owner, who What kind of dog is he? Butter. He is Okay. So, first I'll tell you about his appearance and then I'll tell you about our dates. So, okay. <laughs> Butter is he looks like he could be maybe like a golden retriever or like a yellow lab puppy, but his owner says he's a mutt, which makes him even cooler.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And yesterday I was walking down the street and, like, this little adorable puppy, I mean, he's a baby puppy, like, he's quite tiny. Aww. And he did the kind of thing where, like, when a puppy sees another, or a dog sees another dog, they, like, bow down and, and freeze and stay perfectly still. Yes. But he did it to me. And so I look behind me and I'm like, then I turn to him and I go, who, me? <laughs> He was he was like lowering himself for me, and then I approached him and he pounced on me. That's so cute. I pet him and he bit my hand like a puppy does. And then today I randomly went out for coffee, which I almost almost never do at like three p.m. And there, lo and behold, is Butter again with his owner, who I was like you again, and the owner was like, (laughs) and I was like, bitch, I'm sorry if she if you're a listener, Butter's owner, but I'm not sure you deserve Butter. (laughs)
2: Uh, Oh, so she's uncomfortable by your close relationship with her son. She's
3: threatened. Yes. Yeah.
2: I I have that all the time with dogs and the owners. I completely ignore if I can and just hang out with the dog (laughs) usually.
3: (laughs) I was like, butter is cool. And she's like, yes, butter is cool. (laughs) I was like, listen, lady, don't name your fucking dog butter and have it be so cute and not expect me to fall madly in love with it and plot your murder and the theft of your dog.
2: <laughs> yeah, there were these people that came to my old restaurant that had a tiny, 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 tiny Yorkie that weighed like no.
3: point, point
2: 0.3 pounds. And his name was Dude. Ah, and <laughs> that's cute. I know, but I feel like they were not... As cool as their dog. Like, they, yeah. I would always be like, oh my God, dude's here. I'm so excited. Let's hang out. I love you. Let's get married. <laughs> and they would just be like, okay, whatever. And I'm here. just like, don't name your dog, dude. And don't, first of all, don't get a dog that's 0.5 pounds. Exactly.
3: Um, they should be not Because
2: they can't even jump off the couch without dying.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's like a suicide.
2: <laughs> it's like you have to, the people at the places are like, if you adopt a dog this small, you have to watch it at all times because they literally can die from jumping off of furniture.
3: Oh my God. That sounds like, too no, look, butter is very sturdy. Um, <laughs> but I just feel like don't get an adorable puppy and then feel like put out when people are like obsessed with it. Like, right. Well, I feel it... like
2: maybe I was just too emotionally involved right away, and they were, like, hesitant because we didn't really know each other that well.
3: That's true. That's how I feel with Butter. I feel like <laughs> things are moving very fast with Butter and I. <laughs> very fast. Yeah. Creepily fast. I Famous mean,
2: dude. I really miss him. I think about him all the time.
3: I, today, said, Butter, I'm in love with you. Will you marry me? And I and think what? that's Did what turned the mom? owner off. <laughs> the owner was like, what's happening here? <laughs> Do you have a picture? Uh, no, but I will take a picture tomorrow when I hopefully run into butter. And uh, before that, I'm going to contact some kind of professional sketch artist who does, who does like police <laughs> sketches and I'll describe <laughs> butter to them and then have them send you the photo.
2: Okay, that's really great. I love that. The <laughs> so so nose get, is a
3: little bit cuter.
2: <laughs> you should take a picture, have the owner take a picture of you holding butter and have, get somebody to paint that portrait.
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> or when I'm holding it, I could just dash off with it.
2: That's also a good idea, but she knows where you live, <laughs> and then you would just run into her all the time. You would have to move. I'll
3: move. I'll okay. move. Sure. I'm going to start packing up my apartment tonight.
2: Well, get here. <laughs> no one will look for you here in the center of nowhere.
3: Okay, great. I will come to you, and we will raise butter together as a family. Great. Okay, moving on. What else have you been doing?
2: Um, I literally just minutes before I came here saw an article that said the Bernie meme is now porn.
3: Oh, well and that's I great for me.
2: Showed a picture of a woman wearing the mittens holding the mail sitting oh. in the chair.
3: Oh no, I didn't I didn't interpret it that way. I you yeah, know that I have a thing for Bernie.
2: I know, yeah. So yeah. but you know, maybe I just don't understand what could happen from there, but I'm sure they managed to make it work.
3: Yeah. Well the Bernie meme, you know, there it would be very uh,
2: funny if the woman playing Bernie then gets fucked by Joe Biden,
3: <laughs> like everybody else in America will. <laughs> Zing! <laughs>
2: Take that, liberals!
3: You, you hear me?
2: You hear me, Ezra Klein? Um, yeah.
3: <laughs> That's right. Take that. What's his fucking name? The guy who writes, uh, Aaron. I was gonna say Aaron Burr. Burr. You hear Aaron Burr? <laughs> I met Aaron Sorkin. Oh my Might God. as well be the same person. Well, I have some news. Yesterday was my birthday, and it was pretty good for what did a quarantine you know? birthday. Um, I stayed home. I did cry a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I mopped my floor. I cleaned the house. Kind of like a whatever day. It was snowing here yesterday. And then Becky and Adam had... Uh, been quarrying for like a week and a half so they could come over for dinner so we had dinner together it was really cute cute yeah we made like pizza negronis and we had shrimp cocktail and tartare and cake it was really fun that's super fun did you make all
2: your own birthday dinner
3: i did yes obviously (laughs) (laughs) not because i'm controlling just because nobody offered (laughs) to do anything differently (laughs)
2: <laughs> so um, like, do you want to come over for my birthday where i cook your meal
3: exactly yeah and then mary sent me a tamagotchi in the mail
2: oh my god
3: <laughs> isn't that cute
2: that is very cute
3: i know i'm a pet owner now for real
2: <laughs> a tamagotchi. Well, i wrapped your present but it is still in my room but it will leave it will leave here before...
3: why don't you open it <laughs> on the air you can keep it <laughs>
2: Cause it would be too crackly. No, your present for you. My present for you.
3: Oh, you're a sweetie pie, huh? Thank you so much. I pre much appreciate. Well, you haven't
2: gotten it yet. You might hate it. Who knows? Yeah. But I made you a beautiful card, and I sent you some items.
3: Oh my god, <laughs> this is amazing! Well, Thank actually, you so much. I've been sent them to you. They're still in my room, but they're in a box. I've been thinking about trying yoga. That's what that Do you ever, do you remember at Breezy, we one time found like an Us Weekly and uh, it was like, ask Mike Tyson 25 questions and like. One of the, or 25 facts that Mike Tyson tells us about himself. And one of them was, I've been thinking about trying yoga. And I always think of that every time someone's like, I've meant to do this, but like, I haven't yet.
2: <laughs> I just like that when people are like, I'm thinking about trying it. Like, <laughs> thinking
3: I'm thinking about <laughs> trying yoga. Considering
2: okay. trying it, but I'm not going to do it.
3: <laughs> I'm thinking about biting off someone else's ear. I'm not I'm sure if I'm going to do it.
2: about trying medical school. as a Oh,
3: Interesting. I'm thinking about stealing a dog in my neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> and then wedding it
2: in a ceremony. Uh, well, I think that think you could let her keep him and still marry him, right? That's Isn't true.
3: It? Like and Woody then,
2: Allen and Mia Farrow. You know, they never lived together.
3: Yeah, and look how the, it turned out for them. They're so good. Happy, they're happy, I think. Still, right. best friends forever. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> they, like, hang out
2: all the time. <laughs>
3: <laughs> is that the worst like ending of a marriage ever that like your husband ends up just marrying your daughter after you divorce
2: i think that elon musk's dad did some sort of weird shit like that
3: i find that hard to believe he seems perfectly normal i can't imagine he had any kind of weirdness in his upbringing
2: yeah i know he uh he definitely has he seems like a straight arrow
3: He seems like he has a musk to him, (laughs) and I'm not (laughs) kidding. He looks like someone who has, even if his name wasn't musk, I'd be like, this guy stinks. He's got a musk.
2: Speaking of musk, I went on a bizarre internet rabbit hole search yesterday for Abercrombie Woods scent. Do you remember that
3: shit? Of course. I was an Abercrombie (laughs) 8 person, but I do remember Abercrombie Woods, of course. Abercrombie 8's good, too, if you find that.
2: I don't even freaking know how in the hell, like, I read, I literally read a sentence that was like, I love Abercrombie Woods or something like that. And I was like, holy shit, I think I like that smell. I wonder if it's still around. It's not still around. Hmm. They discontinued it in, like, 2001 or something, and then they brought it back in 2010, and I don't know. It's It's like that... Gap grass scent that I love. The 90s. I know. All the scents of the 90s are gone forever, except for Dracar Noir. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, damn. <laughs> and, like, and, Cool and Water. And that's what
3: you wear. Yeah, Cool Water. <laughs> and, like, Charlie Girl.
2: Oh, I wish... I actually literally tried to find Charlie White at the CVS last time I was there. I'm Belly? regressing. Like I said. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. What about CK1? Oh, I never really liked that. It wasn't my... You know what I wore in high school most of all was uh, Clinique Happy.
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, God. That does not mix well with B.O. And the thing is, a lot <laughs> of teenagers have B.O. Or a musk, if you will. <laughs> and oh, they wear a no. fucking uh, Clinique Happy with it. And it is, it's a thing. It's a vibe. It's, as the kids say, it's a vibe. It's a vibe. <laughs> the Clinique Happy is also still around. Yeah, I don't
2: think that it's my thing either. Really, gap grass was great. I like a vetiver, you know. What's a vetiver? Vetiver. It's a it's an essential oil smell. It's in oh. a lot of scents. Oh, excuse um, me. Which also happens to be an Abercrombie woods. I just I I can almost picture how it smells, if you will. <laughs> like the woods. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I can picture how it looks. It looks like those old Abercrombie black and white. Catalogs that used to come by mail, even though I was never really rich enough to afford Abercrombie.
3: Yeah, I remember. I remember, like, there was a time where like Abercrombie was very cool when we were like kiddos and teens, and then like it became very uncool to be preppy like that. Mm -hmm. But I would love to go back to like the year nineteen ninety six and like look at what an Abercrombie was like and what their stuff was like. I bet we would think it was cool again now.
2: No, because well. possibly the 90s stuff when I really couldn't afford it. Like when my cousins who were richer than me, they always had Abercrombie sweaters. And I've since been thrifting and like seen some vintage Abercrombie. So like the old school, like nineties, maybe even eighties Abercrombie was like well-made and wool and like kind of Brooks Brothers. Um, But then what I remember is my sister getting into their extraordinarily short skirts. Oh, they yeah. had like those really short skirts and they I was had into those, that like too. spaghetti strap tank tops with mm-hmm. the Abercrombie logo.
3: <laughs> yeah, I did that. And I did the tops that had the bra, the shelf bra in the tank top yes. and very short skirts. Oh very yeah. Very short and very, very thin eyebrows. I mm-hmm. fucking might as well have just shaved my eyebrows off completely. I mean. People did
2: that. People did that.
3: I mean, really, uh, my poor eyebrows, and they've never recovered. Never. Now they're all thin and patchy, and I have to draw them in, and that, my friends, is the circle of life.
2: It is the okay. circle of life. I just watched The Lion King, and that's basically what the whole movie is about.
3: Yeah, the movie's about about white, stupid white teens clucking all, all their eyebrows.
2: <laughs> but I do have a real question about The Lion King, which I think sure. is, I think our listeners want to hear, which okay. is, <laughs> <Go right laughs> why ahead. does Scar have a British accent? like it's why great question. is
3: he British did he go to boarding school maybe no because he's evil and as we know <laughs> British people are evil who right? plays him it's either like Sir Ian McKellen or like no, Alan Rickman no. it's someone or like <laughs> it is I'm, like, I'm is telling Ian you in
2: home but that's like the hobbit hold
3: on it's one of like the most just Jeremy Irons Jeremy it's,
2: Irons I was like it's not those yeah
3: can yeah, you believe he's I remember scary. that Look at that memory on this one. And that is what Butter likes about me the most. My sharp-as-attack memory, even though I'm much, much older than him, I'm still very, very keen. (laughs) I'm sharp. You can't get anything past me, Butter. Yeah, Um, he's like,
2: I am subservient to you, alpha male.
3: Yeah, he really, like, appreciates my know-how, and uh, he looks up to me, literally and metaphorically. (laughs) he's very tiny. He's just a little moochie-moo. He's very cute. Should we
2: talk about our topic? Oh, yeah. We should talk about our topic. Um, I'm excited
3: for this topic.
2: I would say this topic started off as wine, but then really <laughs> veered wildly off of that track. So it's just sort of like under the umbrella of wine. But really, I'm not talking about wine at all. I'm talking Great. about malt liquor. <laughs> it's
3: amazing.
2: Um, but... What I'm talking about today is called champagne and not Champale, as I always thought it was called.
3: <laughs> Fake fancy champagne. <laughs> it's like it's people just who say target. Champagne. Champagne. Uh,
2: <laughs> so champagne, if you guys are not familiar, and you most likely are not, because it's barely around anymore, it's it was a malt liquor that was sold to sort of be like champagne. Um for the poor man and mm. it was it's if you just you should just google cuz there's so many amazing 70s ads for champagne that you really need to have in your life i think
3: I, I was looking at some of them today after you mentioned that was your topic and they are fabulous
2: <laughs> really really great
3: really good
2: um okay so champagne we're going to go all over the place here we're really just going to touch a little bit on malt liquor i really think we should revisit it cuz it's a fascinating fascinating topic Great. But um, it is a brand of malt liquor. Technically, it was introduced in 1939 in Trenton, New Jersey, Hmm. by the Metropolis Brewing Company. Um, Essentially, the Depression really messed, obviously, with... Sorry, post-Depression messed. So brewers, after Prohibition and the Depression, brewers were like, we are in trouble, man. Shit is crazy. And <laughs> liquor was doing much better than beer. And they just kind of weren't really having the heyday that they had enjoyed in the past where people would literally just drink beer instead of water. Right. Um, so they decided to... They also then World War Two came. They just couldn't catch a break. And there was rationing. So they, <laughs> invented, <laughs> they invented... Sorry. They, <laughs> it is hilarious.
3: I, it's, we think yeah, things it is. are tough
2: now. Try being a brewer... In 1942, man. Um, So, they invented malt liquor, which basically uses less malt because their malt was rationed. Everything they didn't have enough metal to make bottle caps. They were really starving. Jesus,
3: Mary and Uh, Joseph.
2: (laughs) So they figured out a way to invent this thing called malt liquor. And in case you didn't know, because I didn't really know, what the hell is malt liquor? I've always wondered. It is a beer with more alcohol than traditional beer. 20% stronger than beer, Whoa. as the crow flies. Um, <laughs> and to super duper summarize how it's made, enzymes are added to break down the complex sugars, which then makes the yeast have more ways to make more booze. So it just makes it more alcoholic. Okay. Um, and this is why I think we should revisit this, because... Malt liquor is actually not ice beer, which I thought it was. I thought it was, like, Steel Reserve and all that stuff. I thought that was the same thing,
3: but it's not. It's It's not, like, Bud Ice or Natty Ice, if you will.
2: Yeah, apparently not. It's also not Alco Pop, which is how they describe, like, you know, like, Z... (laughs) What was that? Zima. Zima, yeah.
3: Zima.
2: It's also not... Hard seltzer like we have today, which I also thought it was that stuff. So we should really dive back into this and find out what what is the freaking difference between all of these.
3: Very interesting.
2: Um, but back to champagne. Um, <laughs> oh, by the way, I got this information from a variety of sources: Wikipedia, Thrillist, Faithful Reader, which is a personal blog. Oh wow! Uh, and the Trentonian, <laughs> which is a local Trenton, New Jersey newspaper.
3: Your favorite. Your favorite uh, local New Jersey newspaper.
2: <laughs> so they came up with a way to make this malt liquor and it was dry and bubbly and so they marketed it as a champagne alternative and they marketed it to wealthy white people. They're like, hey guys, this is what you should be serving at your wealthy white gatherings. So they had like fancy names like country club, sparkling stite, university club. What? And champetite.
3: <laughs> Are you sick and tired of that high-class champagne that tastes great and everybody likes? Well, <laughs> try this malt liquor champagne, champagne to wet your champetite. Mm-hmm. Are you
2: hungry for cheap champagne that's also not champagne? Um, but really, nobody cared, basically. Uh, they, they really couldn't get it to take off and... Um, The people, one of the brands marketed their, their malt liquor with an actual set of bridge cards because they wanted people to drink it while they played bridge. (laughs) It just didn't take off.
3: Wow. Um, then in
2: 1963, two years after Adolf Kors was kidnapped and murdered, the heir to the Kors fortune. Is that what happened?
3: Yeah. Interesting. I think I did Kors as a story and I don't remember that. That seems like it would really have stuck out though. (laughs)
2: <laughs> uh yeah they kidnapped his ass and murdered him um huh. which is not the
3: best way to get a ransom i feel absolutely you gotta you gotta keep him alive at least until you get the move did they get money um i don't remember
2: i just there's a great documentary about it out there if you really want to dig into it okay great yeah i'm, so I'm, I'm very i just interested. here to talk about champagne okay okay
3: pardonnez-moi. <laughs> that's french for <laughs> champagne <laughs>
2: Um, so in 1963, a dude named Dawson Farber, who to me sounds like an asshole because his name's Dawson Farber, but what do you know? Maybe he's nice. (laughs) He came up with Colt 45 and it actually, he wanted to advertise the fact that it had more alcohol than regular beer. And so that's why he put the little horsey on there. And, um, I never realized that that's what that horse meant. So it wasn't that effective for me um
3: how could point- oh hang on one second are horses like notorious drunkards like what's the what's the significance of the horse
2: i think it's like the horse is kicking his leg up. i don't know they wanted to oh right because they wanted to say that it had a kick
3: oh god they're like this horse is wasted you could be <laughs> like this horse
2: notoriously drunk horse <laughs> um sorry <laughs> So, he claims that the reason that he called it Colt 45 is because of Jerry Hill of the Baltimore Colts, his jersey was 45. Who knows if that was true? Probably not. Oh, wow. Interesting. The Baltimore Colts then went on to become the Indianapolis Colts, in case anyone is not aware of that. Go Colts. (laughs) They didn't make it to the playoffs. R.I.P. Um... (laughs) So this line of marketing worked out better than the other line of marketing, but it's still, they were still marketing it to white people. Um, mm. Then civil rights happened and the corporations realized that black people existed. Um, mm. And so once they realized that someone told them that they were black people that lived in the world in the United States of America <laughs> and they, um, they found out that for whatever reason, malt liquor sold more to black people than to other people. Um, mm. They don't really know why that was the case. But once they found that out, they started heavily marketing malt liquor to black people. Mm-hmm. Um, so they um, they had black people in ads. They they had... The Champalee ads are like upper middle class People playing tennis and then also drinking champagne, and then going wow. on the, on the night and you know, they're like, this is how you live life. Drink champagne.
3: Right. Um, you can take it from the tennis court to the club. To
2: the, to the courts of law.
3: <laughs> There's <laughs> just a lawyer drinking it. It's like a judge, honestly, like, can we just uh, make a bargain here.
2: And then, um. Colt 45 famously used Billy D. Williams post-Star Wars, so post-Lando Calvristian. and their ad was him sitting there smiling at you knowingly and saying, Colt 45, it works every time, implying that if you feed a woman Colt 45... She will get so drunk that she will have sex with you. And it was... Oh, that's tasteful. Very successful in mm. amping up sales of Colt 45.
3: And rape. And rapes.
2: <laughs> uh, non-consensual sex also was, like, way more popular after that. Through Just the game. roof. <laughs> it's always been popular.
3: Uh... <laughs> it's fucking uh, terrible.
2: Um, champagne was marketed like so. They wrote on this ad, it looks like champagne. It pours like champagne. (laughs) I don't know what that
3: means. It tastes like shit. (laughs) Tastes tastes like like (laughs) toilet bowl water.
2: (laughs) It tastes like champagne, but it costs just pennies more than beer. Just pennies more.
3: Wow. Have you ever had, wait, have you ever had champagne?
2: No, because it's actually really hard to find. So in its heyday, there were three kinds. There was pink. Classic Golden and Extra Dry. Today, there's only Extra Dry and Golden avail.
3: Okay. Wait, what was the champ? Champetite? Was that a, a that kind was just of...
2: A, that was just a different kind of malt liquor
3: that they... Oh, got it. They,
2: because there's... Basically, they're like... It's sort of champagne. It tastes like champagne, kind
3: of. Okay. Inter- <laughs> uh, I really wonder if, if anyone out there is listening... Congratulations for making it this far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if anyone out there is listening has ever had champagne, please direct message us at Life's a Banquet podcast. I would love to hear what it tastes like.
2: I would. I know. I wish that I would have known about it when I was younger because I bet I would have drank it when I was drinking like Mad Dog and Boone's Farm and shit. It's like it sounds perfect for that time. Totally.
3: Or Andre? Did you ever have Andre? Oh my God.
2: Yeah, they would always. My co college cohorts, the boys would always go get 40s, and I would always get a whole bottle of Andre and drink
3: that instead of a 40. same z's. We would do that, too. We would sit in McCarran Park and uh, get, like, turkey's nest, those, like, giant margaritas in the styrofoam cups from the turkey's nest. And, like, then when we were done with those, we'd use the cups to, like, have—we'd each pour, like, a whole bottle of Andre in and drink Mm -hmm. that. And that is why— Diabetic stroke. Yes, and that is how I died from diabetes, and why I have no memory of anything that happened for I don't know six years of my of my life.
2: <laughs> um, okay, back to champagne. There, so there were three flavors. There is also Jay Z Ghostface and Beastie Boys have lyrics about champagne. Um Ooh. they mentioned Jay Z and the Beastie Boys both specifically mentioned pink champagne, and I wish, wish I would have known about it. Uh, apparently working for the factory in Trenton, which then moved eventually, but was a really fun time. You could drink on the job. Oh yeah. There was was free champagne in the employee refrigerator and you could just drink it while you worked and it was totally fine with everyone. As long as you got your job done, it was a different time. It was the 60s.
3: (laughs) But also the same time, because I feel like before COVID or whatever, like that was like the, where office culture was going, like, come to WeWork. Like, you can drink, like, beer out of our stupid beer keg all day and be really inappropriate in the workplace.
2: Yeah, but we won't give you benefits.
3: Right. No, you can't have health insurance. Right. Uh, but you like can they, have IPA.
2: They did give you health insurance at champagne
3: um, Oh, well, there you go.
2: And so, yeah, that's the whole story. I wanted to end my tale of Champagne with some reviews. Oh, thank the Lord. That I found on on untapped.com. Here we go. Wow, this is just awful. I don't know what to compare it to. Sweet apple cider mixed with all the Seagram's Escape flavors mixed together.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's funny.
2: And another review. Tastes like prison hooch mixed with a dash of McDonald's apple pie. From the seat crevice of a 77 Thunderbird.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's clever. Did you write that?
2: <laughs> no, I did not write that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that seems like something you'd write in spending. No, meaning.
2: literally a 77 Thunderbird never crosses my mind. Um, <laughs> and this is a more real, like a real kind of review um, that they wrote. It's definite notes of champagne yeast, big notes of artificial grape. Not like Dimatap, but like actual grape, but artificial
3: <laughs> oh well thank you well, i would like, like
2: try that i'm intrigued apparently the the extra dry kind of tastes like nothing so kind of like probably like light beer i'm assuming um, sounds
3: like it would give you a headache i wonder how it pairs with caviar
2: <laughs> well the extra dry yeah i don't know but the golden is very sweet i think so mm. i don't know it's probably more like andre
3: right it's um, for kids it's for little yeah, babies, it's like for butter. Children. It's for butter. <laughs> it's for butter. Butter. Do you want a champagne Golden? Because he's golden. He's butter. He's golden.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So. So yeah. That's that's the story of Champagne.
3: Love Mostly, it. Mostly,
2: it's for the the beautiful advertisements, which no one can see on this podcast. So that's I'm going to ask name. you to do a little homework, listener, and listen, check those
3: out. Single listener.
2: <laughs> also, listen to the or watch the commercials. They're kind of dumb, but it, that's how I learned that it's. Pronounced champagne and not champale. I think it should be champale.
3: Champale. It's Italian. <laughs> Italian. I'm a baker. Oh, buono gusto. Spaghetti and meatballs. <laughs> um. Okay. Great. Should we take a break? Yes, we should. Okay. Bye. Come bye. back, please, please, Lord, come back. Butter.
1: This episode is brought to you by Uptown Beer Society. They're a craft beer gang dedicated to making memorable collaborations with New York City brands and breweries owned by people of color. Their Bronx Culture Series featured three beers made in collaboration with Gun Hill Brewery, inspired by the Bronx and Latinx culture. Uptown Beer Society works with underrepresented brewers and beer bar owners to highlight and celebrate cultural gems that make New York City so special. Learn more about their unique beers and where to find them when you follow them on Instagram at Uptown Beer Society.
3: And you've guessed it. We're back. We are back. Hmm. We're better. And some might even say we're back and we're better than ever. So, Nicole... I'm going to tell you a story now about something that I, when I got into it, I thought I was going to be doing it as a joke because I thought this was a bad movie, Um, (laughs) but it's actually a good movie. I told you. It's good, which made it harder to make fun of, but it's still an interesting story. But like, for some reason, the way where where this movie like stayed in my mind, it was that like, it was a good movie at the time, but now we would think it was like really lame. Like American Beauty. Yes, exactly. Like American Beauty. But it's not lame. It's a, it really holds up. The acting is great. Um, the writing is good. You know, some of this this director's other films, like they're good, but they're a little bit kind of just like cheesy, middle-aged, like white guy perspective. So I kind of thought that this was the same, but this is pretty good. Um,
2: so what but, are you going to tell us the other movies that he directed?
3: Yeah, he did like about Schmidt, and oh, like Jack Nicholson? he did yeah with Jack Nicholson and like I think the Descendants. His name is Alexander Payne. The oh, guy. the
2: Descendants. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, saw so, that. I right. never
3: saw it about Schmidt. Um. Anyway, so I want to tell you about the movie Sideways. which is a delight, a true delight, fun to watch. It's great. So I'm just going to start off quickly with a little bit of the history of wine. Okay, everybody settle in. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody settle in. I'm just going to tell you a very small bit about the history of wine in America. So wine in America, uh, at least from a colonization point of view, comes from (laughs) Ponce de Leon, uh, which reminds me of, did you ever play that game in school? Quack oso. No,
2: I've never even heard of that before.
3: Every time I hear Ponce de Leon, I think of Quack diddlyoso. It was like the Quack oso goes quack, quack, quack. I'm sorry, I'm singing. From San Diego, we go, we go, Anyway, listener, if you've ever heard of the Quack oso, please call into the show. Anyway, Ponce de Leon arrives I in Florida. Just think
2: of, yeah, I always just think of the town, Ponce de Leon. <laughs> Ponce
3: <laughs> de Leon.
2: They named after him. They didn't already call it that before he got there.
3: Isn't that, wouldn't that be interesting if he gets there and they're like, Welcome to Ponce de Leon? And he's like, I'm Ponce de Leon. What, <laughs> what a coincidence this is. I'm Does Ponce anyone know Ponce de Leon? De <laughs> I don't know if that's what that means, but it sounds like it, you know? I'm pouncing. Yeah. So Ponce de Leon, your favorite explorer, arrives in Florida <laughs> at 1513. Um, and. Anyway, so is was, this guy
2: an explorer or is he a conquistador? What is the difference? I think one is bad and the other one is also bad.
3: So one, is <laughs> one is more rapey and pillagey than the other. Yeah. Anyway, he comes to America. He wants to make some wine, so he steals the grapes from the Native Americans. The grape they were using at the time was muscadine, and they... They talk about making American wine as early as uh, 1565. Then
2: Wow, I did not know that.
3: I know. Then another uh, very kind of contentious personality in American history, Thomas Jefferson. Wait, attempted they're to... wine in Florida? In Florida. Isn't that interesting? Tropical climes. Okay, anyway, go it's on. It's terrible to think about. I'm sure it was very disgusting. So Thomas Jefferson attempts to make... Uh, establish a winery and plant uh, vitis vinifera vineyards in Virginia. That is a tongue twister. Am I right? <laughs> okay, yeah. look and at he's this. he's probably like, you know, who should
2: work these vineyards? Slaves.
3: <laughs> exactly. It's not funny, but it's it's true. Thomas <laughs> Jefferson was a shitbag. So anyway, he. Att- I'm going to read the sentence again. He attempts to establish a winery and plant Vitus vinifera vineyards in Virginia in late. 1700s and early 1800s, right?
2: Okay, great. How so about here-
3: Oak? Exactly. So here's a little bit about what people are drinking in America today. I will tell you something right now: a lot of fucking Franzia, and a lot of Yellow Tail, and a lot of Barefoot wine. That's the most popular wine in America. It shouldn't surprise you from the things that, you know that this is what people are drinking. But also, they're cheap, so whatever. It's fine. It's just yucky, but we could have. A oh whole yeah, of but you know, this. you have
2: to think about. American wine how it had a bad reputation until what like the 80s and then won some sort of award at some point and they're like well it's just as good as European wine and then everyone's like let's make it like European wine and add all this gross shit to it
3: yeah yeah so this is what people are drinking a lot of, but I kind of almost want to make this a two-part episode because there's a very interesting story about both the Franzia, the House of Franzia, if you will, and also the Robert Mondavi Estate. So there are oh, things. Oh, that's like, so interesting. Yeah, also, there's more things. I you want know,
2: talk about. if you're in a pinch and you have to drink one of those, the sparkling wine, Barefoot, it's fine. Is it? You just put some orange juice in there and you're golden, or some how, Aperol.
3: How do you feel about the Coppola wines?
2: Oh, the Sophia Coppola wines. I also only drink the sparkling wine. It's also 100% fine. Yeah, <laughs> not,
3: it's not, not the good. Best.
2: It, it is veering into bad, but it's fine.
3: Yeah. Um, okay, so a new study, this is from The Week, by the way. A new study by Sonoma State University shows that Americans buy wine most frequently at wine and liquor stores, followed by grocery stores, and then at do- discount warehouses such as Costco, Target, or Walmart. The most common price point of American wine is between $10 and $15 a bottle. That's not surprising to drink at home, and $20 to $30 a bottle when dining out. However, when it comes to restaurants, 20% of of the sample said they prefer to buy wine by the glass, and sixteen percent only sixteen percent reported buying organic wine. Of America, of Americans, yeah, but that's because people don't really know what the deal is with organic wine. I feel like totally. So, the most popular. Do you know what, you, what the most popular grape variety in America is? Malbec. Hmm. No. Zinfandel. Interesting. No, that's Damn not even it. in the top five. It's Chardonnay, <laughs> folks. Oh, All those of course, right. dumb housewives. California wives. oaks. <laughs> uh, they're like, what do you have in... Uh, speaking of butter, my boyfriend, right. yes. what do you have in a buttery, sweet, butterscotch-flavored wine? Oh, a really oaky Chardonnay from some kind of factory <laughs> winemaker? I don't mean to make fun of people's tastes. I'm not trying to be a snob about this. I'm more thinking of people who, in my mind, are... Like rich and pretending to be sophisticated and have taste, but they really like really shitty, buttery Chardonnay. And I mean, those people the are thing hilarious. Is, is
2: <laughs> people just don't have an education around wine. So they're you know, also, I think that part of the reason potentially why Chardonnay is such the most popular grape is I'm assuming that most people who drink wine in America are. Old boomer ladies
3: exactly that is what exactly i'm saying and i'm not i'm not making fun of anyone who's drinking cheap wine because that's what they can afford and that's what they like that's fine i'm more taking a stab at those rich ladies who pretend to have a knowledge of wine but really like chardonnay
2: yeah i just feel like making fun of people for wine it's not something i can get down with because me neither
3: i'm not into it only these specific people they have to be rich (laughs)
2: If you're an evil satanic wealthy Karen and you drink that, it, then I'll make fun of you. But that's the people I'm pointing at. Yeah. Otherwise, it's fine. But there's a local vinery, vinery. <laughs> there's a local <laughs> vineyard here that only sells sweet wine that my parents buy often, and you know they just don't know any better.
3: Totally. And I think that like. The thing that is not cool about wine and what makes people, I think, scared about wine and scared about talking about wine is that they're not going to know something or people are going to, like, judge them on their taste. And people, you should just, like, drink whatever you like and whatever is fun. However, again... Also, my again, parents
2: don't even like... The, like, I've tried to introduce them to the, the other better wines out there, and they're just not interested because they want that sweet wine. It's right. more palatable for them, and that's what they like, so
3: who cares? Drink what you like. Who gives a shit? However, again, if you are a rich, shitty Karen pretending that you know about wine and gozzling, <laughs> oaky Chardonnay, then, you know, I mean, here's go looking back. at you. Go, go, please. Perish. Um, so the p- most popular grape is Chardonnay, followed by Cabernet Sauvignon, Pinot Grigio, Merlot, otherwise known as Merlot, and f- number five is Pinot Noir.
2: Damn it, I didn't get any of those?
3: mm So, okay, the movie Sideways comes out in 2004. It's got a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's starring Sandra O. Oh. Paul Giamatti, Virginia Madsen, and Thomas Hayden Church, otherwise known as the Hawkeye, uh, the Hawkeye, yes, God bless him, the Hawkeye from Wings. Um, yes. I feel like he was one of my first crushes in life. Same. He's strange looking, but so attractive.
2: Well, he didn't look that way in the 80s during Wings, or the early 90s, whenever Wings was on.
3: Yeah, he almost has, like, rubbery features that, like, look like he's been molded from rubber.
2: Yeah, I think that you really get a sense of that in the movie, but... In Wings, he looks good.
3: <laughs> I think he looks good in this movie, too. I'm into him, and he just has, like, a cool attitude. He was nominated for an Academy Award for this movie, which I think is awesome. Um, But Paul Gimani was not, interestingly enough.
2: Wow, anyway. he makes it look so easy. He makes it look like he's playing himself in every
3: movie. He does. I love Paul Gimani. I used to see him. He's, like, the celebrity i probably run into the very most in my life. I used to see him all the time, random places all over the city. It's very yeah. Weird. I've probably seen him, like, 75 times. Did you ever ask him out on a date? No. I I didn't. I didn't want to scare him off. He didn't <laughs> seem like he'd want that. I think he's happily married. Anyway, the movie grows $109 million, and it's based on a novel by Rex Pickett. Now, interestingly enough, I tried to look out, like, what year did this Rex Pickett novel come out? And everywhere it says that the novel came out in 2004, which doesn't make sense if the movie mm. came out in 2004. Wild. I know, it's very confusing. So I'm going to start you off with uh, some snippets from an article written about this movie called Aged Perfection, Alexander Payne's Sideways is Worth More Than a Glance. Now, this article, written by Kenneth Turan, came out in the L.A. Times April 1st, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> it's because everybody is regressing, man. <laughs> I don't know why. And it wasn't like an article. I looked everywhere in this article for being like, oh, like it's aged well, like the movie's aged well, like this was a great, like you should rewatch it. It's like a current review of it. <laughs> so he says, exactly written, directed with a surgeon's precision and trans- transcendentally, transcendently acted sideways brings emotional reality. To a consistently amusing character comedy, making it something to be cherished like a delicate Santa as Valley wines that are out of the story's vivid backdrop. Do you want me to read it again?
2: No, no, no. I loved it.
3: <laughs> exactly written, directed with a surgeon. Nope. I'm just gonna...
2: <laughs> is it, is, you don't have any more research? Is that
3: why you have to reread this? That's it. That's all the research I did. Um, <laughs> For Wine is Miles's con- Okay, so Miles is Paul Giamatti's character. So the movie is about these two friends, Miles played by Paul Giamatti and then Thomas Hayden Church's character and they like Thomas Hayden Church's character is getting married like the next week, so they kind of go on a two man bachelor party. Uh, Paul Giamatti's like like just a divor- like a divorcee and um, Thomas Hayden Church is like an actor who's washed up and he's doing like voiceover commercials or whatever. And so they go to get away to the San Inez Valley, which I think is, like, just south of where, like, regular wine country is. And it wasn't very popular until then. And they're very popular. They're, like, famous for making a lot of um, Pinot Noir. And so I'll go on later about the, eff- the sideways effect about what happened with Pinot Noir and Mer- Merlot after the movie uh, came out. But anyway, so the article goes on to say, For wine is Miles' consuming passion, the great enthusiasm of his life. Listening to him talk wine is an education in onto itself. And he caresses grapes on the vine as if they were his true best friends. <laughs> though the women in Sideways, which sidebar are played by the amazing Sandra Oh and the incredible Virginia Madsen. Uh, though the women in Sideways are not given as much screen time as the men, surprising to no one. They're written with equal skill and are essential to the film's success. This is especially true of Maya, a character who carries the burden of being its most humane voice. Madsen's ability to bring delicacy, sincerity, and soulful strength and caring to grounded individual gives the film an emotional integrity in which it would be immeasurably less effective without. Interesting. I just found that piece of writing to be, like, really clunky and, like... (laughs) Like, if we didn't have this compassionate woman, which was the only thing a woman could be, this movie would just be about wine.
2: Yeah. But Virginia Madsen was so hot back in the day. She really was. They really, like, dowdy her up in that movie, in Sideways.
3: They kind of do. And, like, but Sandra O's character is so cool. She, like, rides a motorcycle. She's, like, this fun mom, single mom who smokes pot. Then she beats Thomas Hayden Church almost to death (laughs) with a. (laughs) <laughs> the helmet of a mo- her motorcycle helmet when she finds out that he's getting married next week. But anyway, the movie is very fun and it just like follows them through like <clears throat> wine tasting and depression and philandering and like all these kind of it's like pr- it's not about much. Nothing crazy happens, but it is actually directed with the precision of a surgeon. Isn't that right, Butter? <laughs> Butter's I think that
2: there is something to say about movies like that. It is definitely, like, the perspective of the, the aging white man, which is yeah. troubling. But there's something about Paul Giamatti that sort of softens that and just kind of makes it a little bit more palatable.
3: Yeah, and it's very, like, I mean, it's so early 2000s, like, in all the food that they eat and the wine that they're drinking and, like, you know, there's, like big hunks oh so anyway some of the food stuff which I thought Mm. was interesting they go to this restaurant called the Hitching Post well that's where Virginia Madsen works she works at this restaurant called the Hitching Post I'm sorry the Hitching Post (laughs) 2 um which is in Buellton California and I looked at their menu now and I just wanted to quick talk about what they have on their menu it's like but this kind of like rounds out it like Kind of summarizes what the vibe of the movie is just in like reading this menu. So some of their appetizers, they have roasted garlic, slow roasted to a soft and smooth texture. So it can be spread on toast with herbs, roasted peppers, balsamic, and olive oil. So
2: they just give you the hunk of roasted garlic and make you smear it all They over make him? you do
3: it yourself, Yes. They also have your grilled fingers corn, are gonna be so smelly. Smelly fingers. Grilled corn quesadillas: two flour tortillas filled with jack cheese, cheddar cheese, spicy corn salsa, and grilled and served with fresh salsa. Oh yeah, I would eat <laughs> that. I know there's a lot of okay, like but these are the kinds of things they're doing. And then they have like um, a fresh natural chicken breast, the highest quality from Cal- from CA, oak grilled, very juicy with a gorgeous flavor.
2: Twenty nine dollars. They they oak grill just a single chicken breast. A ch-
3: single chicken breast. I like got a Chardonnay oak barrel, <laughs> exactly. And then they have like New Zealand rack of lamb, tender, distinct, yet mild flavor, marinated in mild Cajun and garlic spices, comma then grilled. Ten ounces, forty seven American dollars. This place. I love that they're
2: like we want people who like lamb to like this because we say distinct. What we want people who are scared of lamb to also like this. So we say mild.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I know it's for it's for everyone who can afford a forty seven dollar entree. So anyway, that kind of just for me like just hearing about the kind of food in there like summarizes how like the movie feels in a certain way. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, like you don't. I don't. Yes, I feel like in two thousand four when I was so very young and didn't even know what wine was, would have been like, Oh yeah, I'm like I respect this wine guy. But now I'm just like, no
3: <laughs> Exactly. Now you're like, Ooh. um He's okay. wearing so, exclusively polo shirts. Oh and oh my God, the fashion. And so Thomas Hayden Church, I like wrote actually a note in my book when I was watching this. He wears like baggy chinos and then a really baggy buttoned all the way up to the top and all the way down to the bottom. Oversized, like button down shirt, untucked. <laughs> Wait, Thomas Hayden Church does or Paul yes, Giamatti?
2: Thomas Hayden Church.
3: They it's also just, so like, look so bad.
2: Paul Giamatti looks so schlubby yeah. that, like, the fact that Virginia Madsen would ever deign to sleep with him is troubling to me.
3: It is. And also, like, not only <laughs> is he schlubby, but he's, like, grumpy and, like, always really drunk and depressed. I mean, he does have something endearing about him, but it's like, I don't know. Typical. yeah
2: it's just like i know i had a whole like thesis i was like so sick of like the middle aged white man getting a renaissance um and i was really angry about it for a while and now i just like don't care but there was a yeah. lot of like middle-aged comedians coming back and talking about their divorces and somehow getting re- you know back in the good graces of America and I'm like, you don't deserve it. You're old, you're shitty, you were mean to your <laughs> You're wife. wearing a
3: polo shirt. You have no you butt. Are
2: so sad and lonely, but you deserve everything that you got, you dumb piece of shit. And get out of here. Mark Marin <laughs> <laughs> Oh no oh. I love Mark Maron. sorry. I, I love take.
3: Mark Marin. Uh, okay, look, so there was this thing that happened after called the sideways effect. And it was a real thing that was studied by universities and wine growers, in which <laughs> Could Merlot... You think, did you major in it? <laughs> I majored in the sideways effect. And let me tell you, this was a difficult degree to get. I um, love that you
2: majored in it, but you never saw the film.
3: <laughs> I had never... No, why would I watch it? I'm studying it at Harvard um right butter so anyway like he said that he Paul Giamatti was like very against merlot and after the movie since the movie was so popular like merlot's uh sales went way down and pinot noir which had never been super popular in america until that point went way up and uh he like they destroyed merlot like the whole merlot industry with this single movie (laughs) although it still is more popular than pinot noir according to whatever article i read
2: Oh, poor American Pinot Noir. I don't even know what to say about this. All I, I want to—I just want to repeat that Virginia Madsen, the star of Candyman, would never have slept with Paul Giamatti. Okay, I know she <laughs> is the star
3: of Candyman. I was like trying to remember, I'm, like, what else has she been in? Um, okay, so a couple other things that I just want to like tell you randomly about the movie. Um, there's a scene when in the beginning, when Paul Giamatti and Thomas Hayden Church go to like Paul Giamatti's mom's house, and he like steals money from her, and they eat dinner. Right. They both got food poisoning from the meal that they <laughs> <laughs> ate in the movie. Uh-huh. They were, like, having diarrhea and throwing up. Um, also, how old are they if they portray men in their 50s? I think they're supposed to be... Now they're, like, both in their 60s, and that was 15 years ago. I think they're supposed to be, like, 35. Although whenever I see movies about people who are supposed to be 35 who look, like, 45, I get upset because I'm now 37.
2: Yeah, well, I just watched last—I didn't watch all of it. Please don't judge me. But uh, my parents had it on. The the movie where Matthew McConaughey won't—failure to launch.
3: Oh, love it. That movie is terrible. I've watched that several times with SJP. Yes. He just won't launch.
2: He will not launch. But he's 35 years old in that,
3: supposedly. And I'm just like, nobody that's in this movie is 35 years old. <laughs> I mean, I, let's hope not. Because he looks... He's he's looked like he's exactly like 43 for his entire life, as, as far well, as like, I can tell. A
2: man in a movie is allowed to be 35, I think, or even 40 or 50. But a woman could never even be 30 in a movie. No. Not, like literally not allowed. <laughs> heavens heaven's no.
3: Um, so here's a fun fact. So Thomas Hayden Church... Is with his in-laws. That's where Paul G. comes to pick him up. And the house that they were at uh, was on Rockingham Place, like across the street from O.J. Simpson's house where he lived at the time of the murders.
2: Mm -hmm. Oh my God, in
3: 2004? Yeah, 2004. So 10 years... (laughs) after the murders. But, yeah, I don't know why they chose that as this as the location, but they did. Hmm. Um, Thomas Hayden Church uh, did a scene, because there's a nude scene in the movie, where he comes running from, like, screwing some waitress, and he comes running back to the house. And so he did the audition you naked. you <laughs> full Peen? You don't see any peen. He's covering his peen with his hands, which oh, I feel yeah. is the biggest disappointment of this whole movie, honestly. Damn it. Um, and I did see this movie when it came out. Like, but... I didn't remember anything about it.
2: Oh, okay. Because Just, of your drinking so much Andre Spamante.
3: I was so fucked up on Andre <laughs> that I don't remember a goddamn thing about this movie. But I'm glad I watched it again because it is, as I mentioned before, a delight, and Butter and I loved it. <laughs> um, so the actors had to drink wine substitutes for most of it, although some, uh, one scene when they were like all at dinner together, they did drink, well, at least Paul Giamatti drank real wine, and he got completely wasted. Excuse me. They
2: were drinking wine substitutes such as champagne.
3: He, I, no, they were drinking like grape juice and said they made, it made them all throw up. There's a lot of barfing in this movie. Ew. Um, and then I just want to tell you a couple of fun facts about some of the actors. Paul Giamatti's dad was the man who was responsible for having Pete Rose removed from uh, Major League Baseball.
2: Yeah, he's like a commissioner or something. He's like the commish. He's the commish. Oh my God. What was that? Dennis Farina? The
3: uh-huh. commish?
2: Mm-mm. No, I don't. Let's
3: look it up. Some other old white man with a belly and a flat butt. <laughs> <laughs> flat butt uh, syndrome. Who
2: is this guy? It's Mike, some kind of... Mike Post is the composer of the commish.
3: Oh, thank the Lord we figured, figured that out. I've been wondering who composed the commish.
2: Michael Chickless.
3: Oh, yes, Michael Chickless. Uh-huh.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yep, yeah. and also Great Gum Chickless. Yep, Chiklis. But- <laughs> okay sandra o oh was married to alexander Payne for a couple years uh, from like 2000 yeah from 2003 to 2006 and apparently they're still friends really uh virginia madsen is the sister of michael madsen yes and she is born on september 11th 2001 <laughs> so no she's way. only was only three when this movie was made
2: so I'm pretty sure that Sideways came out before Grey's Anatomy, right? Before Sandra was on Grey's Anatomy or I don't I know ran.
3: anything about Grey's Anatomy. I've never seen a single um, episode.
2: Well, I've seen every single episode. Um Do you love it? I do love it. It's amazing television trash. I love it, I adore it.
3: Hmm.
2: Interesting. Um, but yeah. Oh I, let's okay, yeah. It was two thousand five is when it premiered. So
3: Oh okay. So it was after. It was and then Thomas Hayden Church uh, made his screen, on-screen debut in a tele- made-for-television film called Protect and Surf. <laughs> and that's my story of Sideways, a movie about a man trying looking for answers in the bottom of a Pinot Noir bottle.
2: <laughs> also, why did he hate Merlot? I don't remember. Did he say why? I think because, like, in the movie,
3: he's just meant to be this kind of, like, Kind of like Drarian. a pseudo yeah, like intellectual and like someone who's like, you know, trying to know a lot about wine and flex like he has like this crazy collection, but he's actually so broke that he's stealing money from his like old mother and like spending it all on wine and trying to be part of like a scene. I feel, you know, he's like looking for something like literally he is actually looking for something. He's very lost and very angry and sad and, you know, in a way an alcoholic, but in another way, like. I think, like, wanting to fit in somehow through being a part of something, which like, wine culture. Sure. And we should all feel really, really bad for him.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, Paul Giamatti, that's, like, when he started to become, like, didn't American Slender come out, like, around that time? Uh-huh, yeah.
3: He's a, an amazing actor. One of the best actors of our time. And he was also, I was reading about him, He's like, I prefer to play supporting roles, which I think is really cool. I mean, he probably just said that after he
2: never got a leading role.
3: He only got supporting roles. I mean, this was a lead role. He's got right. a bunch of lead roles. I mean, American Splendor was a lead role, too. That's true. Okay, fine. You love it. Paul Giamatti. Call me. I know you're listening. Um, do you want to talk about our top, for top three today, our top three favorite wines? Yes. What are yours?
2: My top three favorite wines are sparkling wine, white wine, and red wine.
3: Oh, wow. That's so specific. (laughs) Uh,
2: Right now, I'm actually drinking a Cremant from the Loire Valley. It's Mm. delicious. Really, Uh my three favorite wines are just different kinds of sparkling wine. I prefer to mostly just drink sparkling wine until it starts giving me a headache.
3: I know. That's the thing. I love sparkling wine, but um, lately, even more so, and especially with, like, sparkling natural wines, really, really gives me a headache. Um, Yeah. I got very specific. I have three that I love. And, like, these aren't my three. Like, these are my top three favorites of all time. Although my number one might be my definite favorite of all time. But I love um, from a really great producer called Catanoche,
2: Mm -hmm. um,
3: which we used to have a lot of. their wines at Bruce, and you can still find them around everywhere. They're from the Emilia Romana. And they had a wine called, I'm probably going to pronounce it wrong, but I think it was pronounced Carotole. It's spelled Q U E. R C I O L E, and it's 100% Spergola, and it's like sparkling, very dry, delicious. I love that wine. It's one that of my That wine like, is very good. All time faves, and they're lovely. I was lucky enough to get to go visit them uh, on a trip, on a wine trip, and they're very sweet. And it's very, very small production, and they're nice humans. Um, I also love number two, Philippe Bonnard, uh, the 100% Ploussard. And mm-hmm. that's a producer from the Jura, and it's, like, a very juicy, like, umptuous, like, I don't know, just kind of chuggable red. But actually, it's, you know, it's quite nice. Maybe you don't want to chug it too fast, but I love that wine. <laughs> glue, glue. Glue, glue. Delicious, delicious, delicious. And my number one favorite ever, I think, for real, for real, is the Frank Cornelis and Susucaro. I do, of course, love that wine. It's a crowd pleaser. It really is. It's raspberry, it's juicy, it's delicious. It's like, it's a classic. And it's always a little different each year, but it's kind of like a um, like a dark rosé. And um, it's delicious. It's really great. Wacky wine producer from Sicily. That Frank Cornelison. So mm-hmm. those are three natural wines that I really like. And I also love Ed Hardy's wine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and I love Sofia Coppola's wine.
3: Did I ever tell you that, like, my mom had gotten a bottle? I know I've told the story at some point on the podcast. I don't know why. But my mom had gotten a bottle of Ed Hardy wine from someone as, like, a Christmas present. And, like, it was just sitting there. And, like, my mom and Rob don't know who Ed Hardy is, so they didn't even realize how disgusting this was. I'm sorry. I shouldn't say disgusting. How It was just, you know, if you like it and you're listening, that's fine. Um, (laughs) They didn't realize how, what it was exactly. But, um, so I brought it in. Did you open it up? Yes, I brought it into Brucie, and I told our wine director at the time, I was like, hey, let's do a taste test. I just got this new wine. I want you to tell me if you can <laughs> tell what grape is in it. And I poured him the Ed Hardy wine, and he was like, hmm, interesting. I don't know. It kind of, it's got a lot of watermelon to it. Like, is it like Passarena?" And I was like, no, it's Ed Hardy. <laughs> and he just drank it, you dummy. <laughs>
2: uh, a lot of watermelon. Gross.
3: Yeah, I was like, yeah, I thought you got that right. Tastes like <laughs> uh suntan lotion and herpes. Yeah, oh, poor Ed Hardy. He should have a middle-aged man movie
2: made about him.
3: I would love to know about the story of Ed Hardy. Maybe we should do that <laughs> for an episode and figure out how to tie it into food. But I, I think I'm open to doing another wine episode next week because there's a lot of a lot to yeah, unpack here.
2: You do the wine, and I'll do the malt liquor, and we'll have a grand old time.
3: Oh my god! Okay, great.
2: Also, I just saw, speaking of people that have life stories on television, there's a The Rock oh. origin series.
3: Are you serious? You know that I love The Rock more than anything.
2: It doesn't... I'm not sure how I feel about it, based on huh. the preview that I saw. Because I watch okay. network TV now with my parents, so oh, like interesting. I see all kinds of shit I would never see. Um, mm. I also watch movies with commercial breaks. I made my parents watch The Martian last night, the Matt Damon movie where he's stuck on
3: Mars... Oh, he should have stayed there, honestly. I can't stand that Damon. <laughs> Sorry. It was,
2: actually, it was, like, a great... I now, like, sort of, if I want to... Because I always... If left to my own devices, I would be in control of the remote at all times. And I'm pretty, mm-hmm. like, intense about that. But I've been... You know, I live with a family of 3,000, so I have to be a little bit more <laughs> democratic about it. So I try to find... I still have to be in control of the remote, but I try to find, you know, fun for the whole family movies. And, uh-huh. It was fun to watch that movie with my dad who had never seen it because it is like an intense, like, what's going to happen next type of movie. And a lot of times you're like rolling your eyes because you're like, oh, my God, this is so dumb. But it was fun to watch with the fam.
3: I've never seen it. I don't like space. And I don't really like Matt Damon. Oh, that's not fair to say. I don't really hate many actors. I don't hate him. He's not like a Jesse Eisenberg to me. But (laughs) something about him, he looks like he has a musk. Right, better?
2: <laughs> you know, I like, Matt Damon is so bland, but the one thing about him that I do like is that he married a regular person, like a teacher, and they've been married for a long
3: time. Uh, I appreciate that about him as too. I appreciate that about him as too. That's what mm-hmm. I just said.
2: <laughs> I think it's funny that we're talking about Matt Damon, and we talked about Ben Affleck last week because he broke up with Ana de Armas. Not only did he
3: break up with her, he literally broke her. He broke her (laughs) cardboard cutout and shoved her in the trash. Imagine what happened to the real woman. What a fucking weirdo. Yeah,
2: so I'm not even out. His face is too long.
3: What's up? Yes, his face is way too long for his own good. And what is up with his, like, since this is a food podcast... Let's talk about Matt, uh, Ben Affleck's obsession with Dunkin' Donuts. Like he's really into it. He like eats it all. It's his like calling card. Not that there's anything wrong with Dunkin' Donuts, but in every picture I see of him lately, he's scowling and carrying like <laughs> a comically like large amount of wobbling Dunkin' Donuts. Well, he coffees. used to have
2: a bunch of pictures of him scowling and holding a cigarette. So maybe he's quitting smoking, and that was his mm. thing. There was a time when I can't remember what actor it was, but they were really into um, Qdoba or no. What's the... Damn it, there's another Mexican chain like that, but it's not Qdoba. Whatever. A Qdoba-like place, and an actor was constantly seen there, and it became, like, a thing, but this is, like, 10 years ago, so... Mm. I It's like, when you're in L.A., and you drive a car, and it's COVID, you just go to... You know, also, Ben Affleck's in his 50s. Like, he goes to Dunkin' Donuts. Of course he does.
3: Those are his donut years.
2: And he's just being photographed a lot more than he normally would because he was dating a hot
3: new young lady. Right. Maybe that's how he's dealing with the stress of the breakup, with donuts. Packing his face full of mini donuts. (laughs) He's
2: quitting smoking. This is my guess.
3: Interesting. Well, Ben, uh, please (laughs) let us know. Obviously, you're listening. Sorry we've been talking such shit about you and your best friend. (laughs) You and your best friend allegedly from 30 years ago. Yeah. Uh, If you guys are still together, please let us know. Anyway... (laughs) Well, this was a fun episode, wasn't it? You know I had fun. Did you really? Did you feel like you were right there in uh, the San Inez Valley when I was talking about Sideways?
2: No, I did not. But I do like talking about celebrities. So it was fun to talk about Virginia Madsen and
3: Sandra Oh. God bless her. I'm glad she had a career after she left Grey's Anatomy. She's great. Did you like hearing about my new boyfriend Butter? Are you I are you love happy hearing for me about Butter? Yes.
2: What do I'm you think so I should do when with... I
3: see him tomorrow if I see him again because I know that Butter's owner is really getting suspicious of our love. And Make I'm wondering if I should what's that? You need a photo. Yeah, I'm going to snap a photo of him. Okay, that's it. Next step is photo. My and sister then...
2: in Chicago Fivory. they have a a downstairs neighbor that had a new puppy. Now he's bigger, but his name was Pancake. Ah. And so when I stayed at my sister's apartment when they were out of town, I would go downstairs and I would be like, Oh my god, Pancake, I've heard so much about you! And the owner was like, what? Because <laughs> I didn't know anything about the owner, or even the owner's name. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I knew hilarious. so much about Pancake because my sister's dog is very cute, but she's an asshole, so she like terrorizes the new puppy downstairs and so my sister had told me all about this and i'm like pancake hi it's me shannon's sister
3: (laughs) (laughs) shannon's sister yeah that's hilarious yesterday i was telling becky that like i really want to get a puppy and she's like what would you name it and i was like i'm not sure she's like you should name it becky (laughs) so i'm like wouldn't that be (laughs) hilarious if i got
2: a dog and named it becky after our friend becky We would have to name it Fucking Becky.
3: Fucking Becky the goddamn dog. God bless Becky, though. We love you, Becky. We know you don't listen to the podcast. You only listen to one episode. (laughs) She would never listen to the podcast. He did listen. Um, Yeah, she listened to one episode. She's like, whatever. I feel like, you know, like I could just talk to you guys for free. I'm like, the podcast is also free. (laughs) Yeah, don't forget that. You're listening to this for free. Uh, that's why it sucks so much okay um we love you guys so much thank you very much for listening and uh hasta la pasta bye-bye bye-bye life's banquet is powered by SimpleCast.